Good morning, everybody. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. And here with me, looking bright and cheery today, is Scott Durant. Scott Durant, arising and shining, for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. Folks, good to have you today. If you're joining us for the very first time, it is so good to have you today on a day that God truly has made for us to rejoice and be glad in us in it. And this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, which is a ministry of Raven Ministries International. If you want more information on Raven Ministries International, you can go to our website at www.biggracebiggrace.com and get information about that and what is going on uh, through this work that we... Uh, uh, do for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about restoring a vision and evangelizing nations. So what we come for today, folks, if you are joining us or if you've been here time, a number of times or whatever else, this is the part of our ministry that restores a vision. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Because with, 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 where there's no vision, the people perish. And what is the vision that we need? We need to get the vision of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so what, what a vision does, it becomes a, it's a revelation of what God has said. And so when we come and we set before the Word of God, you know what it ought to do? It ought to prompt us. It ought to get us happy about hitting Amen. the streets. It ought to be something that stirs inside of us, that Word that gets stirred Amen. up and we want to go tell somebody. And so the reason that we labor in the Word of God, the reason that we come and we, and we, we invest the Scripture in your life is to stir up that vision, to give you that, that heart for you. That way when you begin to look at the multitudes, that you see it like he saw it. That way when you find yourself in an environment, you say, man, you know what? I was just studying that the other day. You know, that's, that's not a new thing. Paul the Apostle was dealing with that. Here's what Jeremiah said in regards to that. So, folks, what we're doing, we're, we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And what we do is we don't only do it just in word, but we do it in deed as well. And we're going to be talking about that in detail mm-hmm. this morning too. And so when we come, we come and bring it. That way that when you find yourself in them situations, that man, it just clicks. And a lot of times people will say, well, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do that. What's funny is the people that have told me that the most over the years. Well, Pastor Troy, I, I don't know if I could ever go to New Orleans and preach during Mardi Gras. I don't know if I could go to New York City and preach in Times Square. I don't know if I could go witness in Skid Row. What happens, they're usually the people... That once you turn them loose, man, you begin to see that word stirring up inside of them. Folks, listen, to preach the gospel is what we were created for. That, that's, is, that's what we were born again to do is to go proclaim the good news of salvation to the lost and dying. And this is the preparatory work. So you guys that have been investing in the word and allowing the word to, to be poured into you, the reason for it is to go spill it out. It isn't so you can, your head can swell up with a bunch of knowledge because a knowledge puffs up without, without an outlet. So you've got to get filled up so you can go and get poured out. And so, brother, we're about to go and pour out some stuff. We call it taking a bite out of the big apple. Amen. So we're going to go and sink our teeth into something this coming weekend and allow Jesus to do some things. And so you guys that are with us today that are going to be joining us, man, we're excited about having you. I know some of the folks, uh, Christy being here right here in the studio audience today, she's, this is her first trip up there. And I know several others that are going to be joining us. It's going to be their first foray into the, the streets of America's largest city. So keep us in prayer and know that the reason that we labor Day and night, really, diligently in the Word of God is to be equipped when we're thrust into those situations. So if you're wondering what we're all about, we're all about restoring a vision and then going out and evangelizing nations for the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. And so thank you once again. If you've not been with us in the past, these are all available on our website by going to www.biggrace.com and clicking on Raven Institute. What you'll see is a neat little embedded uh, 
iPod-style player there that has got hundreds of hours of teaching. I believe 191 uh, previous classes that are right there for your uh, uh, your listening pleasure or download. It's all absolutely free of charge, and you can go in there and get those and burn them to your uh, CD or uh, download them directly to your MP3 player, etc. They're there for you to listen to and encourage you to do that. And so if you're traveling tomorrow, hey, good time to download those to your iPod and listen to a message while you're traveling yeah. and get a little word mm-hmm. in you and get excited and built up on the Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. If you have prayer needs, you can send those to pray, P-R-A-Y, at biggrace.com. And you guys that will not be joining us, we appreciate your prayers and holding up the team in prayer as we hit the streets yes. of New York City. Pastor Scott, why don't you open us in prayer this morning and we'll just dive into the word today. Father, we come before you right now, Lord. Mm. I do thank you, as always. What a privilege, God, to... To even converse with the God of the universe, Lord. Mm. Lord, I ask that you just move today. God, move on our hearts. God, move in our minds. Renew our minds today with this word, Lord. God, I pray that we would just be formed into Christ Jesus. We would be transformed today by this word. God, that it would actually bring life into us. Fresh, fresh manna into us, Lord. God, you are everything father i pray that god as we open it and we we share from it god that you would send your holy spirit to guide us and direct us lord my heart goes out right now to to the sick i just i i think about those that are suffering lord and and my heart grieves i i I, I know Jesus who was moved with compassion when he saw the crowds and, and, and my heart breaks, Lord, and yes. my brethren that are sick. I, I just lift them up right now, Lord, before you. I ask that you heal them. I think of Brother Roy that's out there, Lord. I just lift him before you and ask that you touch his body, God. Heal that Crohn's disease, Lord. Yes, Jesus. God, I, I just don't believe that's from you, God. I believe it's, it's from the devil. And God, I, I believe the enemy is attacking him. Father, I, I pray that you just heal his body right now. Set him free from the sickness, God, in the name of Jesus. God, those others that are out there, Father, I, I lift them before you right now, God, and ask that you would stretch forth your hand to heal, God. Yes. God, you are the healer. You are the creator of the universe. You spoke this universe into existence, God. God, there's nothing you can't do except a lie, God. You're not a God that would lie. You're a God of truth and righteousness. And God, you said, by your son's stripes, mm, by your son Jesus, he, his stripes, we are healed, Father. I thank you for sending your word, God. God, your word encourages me. It lifts me up. Father, I thank you for that. Mm. God, I just pray now that also as we go to the city of New York tomorrow, God, I want to pray that, God, you anoint us in a special way, God. Allow us to be your tongue, your, your voice crying out, God. Allow us to, to bring truth to those out there. And Father, I, I pray that you would grant that gift of repentance, God. I know it's a gift, God. You said in your word that it's a gift. Father, I thank you for giving that gift of repentance. I thank you, God, that the Holy Spirit would go before us and He would do His job of convicting men of sin. God, convict them. Holy Spirit, convict them. I I pray that men's hearts would be prepared right now. As we we begin to prepare to go, Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to prepare their hearts to receive the Word. 
God, that you begin to prepare their hearts, that you would break up the hard, fallow ground. And God, men's hearts would be open to receive the word. And God, there would be conviction. God, bring forth conviction, God. And I pray that that conviction, God, would open their eyes and it would draw them to the cross. And at the cross, they would meet Jesus, the Savior of the world. They would meet your Son, Jesus Christ. And salvation would truly come to them. And they'd be transformed. Never the same, God. Never the same. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for salvations. I thank you for salvations in the Big Apple. God, this weekend, God. Yes. Mm. Take this take this time of teaching now, Lord, and take over, God. Speak through us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise be unto the Lord. Folks, if you're joining us for the first time, we are in the 15th chapter of the book of Romans. Paul's letter to the church at Rome. So I'll let you get there. We're going to be looking at verses 18 and 19 primarily today, and probably 20 as well. Touched on 18 just briefly yesterday, but we're going to, we're going to be looking at this. You know, yesterday we, we closed out really kind of with this verse, this verse 18, uh, my brother, that really kind of typifies the ministry of Paul the Apostle. Now listen to what he said in, in, in Romans 15, 18. He said, I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and by deed. Another translation that reads, that I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have both said and done. And so, what you can count on is that, here's another way I like to put it. Here's kind of my contemporary Pastor Troy translation of that. He said, what you can count on is I'm only going to speak the things that Christ Jesus has spoken to me and that I have endeavored not to, not to only speak, but to also demonstrate in my ministry to the nations those things that have been spoken. Folks, it's one thing. We can sit here all day long and talk about, well, wouldn't it be neat to see people get saved in New York City or people get saved in, in Indiana or Pennsylvania or see people get saved in Texas or wherever else. But until we're willing to get up and do something about it, what is it? It's just a lot of talk. Right. But Paul the Apostle said, listen, you're gonna, I want you to know that what I'm going to do, you're going to see it in word and in deed. It's really akin to Philippians 2.13. And it says, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Folks, listen. Your willingness it will only get you so far. Your willingness may get you uh, at the judgment seat of God saying that I, I, I never knew you. Folks, listen, our willingness has got to translate into actual action. You know, willingness is great, but, you know, I, I think of my kids growing up. You know, I'd ask Kayla to do something. Kayla, did you do something? She said, well, well Dad, I, I was going to. I wanted to. I thought about it. Well, thinking about it, wanting to, and, and, right. and planning on it doesn't get anything done. And, folks, really what has come into the body of Christ for years and years and years is just this whole attitude of, you know what, I, I want to do it, I think I'm going to do it, but I'm really not ever going to actually do it. And so Paul the Apostle was saying, listen, I want to tell you something. I'm going to tell you what to do, and I'm going to do it through the demonstration of those principles. Think about what, what he told the disciples. He, here he comes. He shows up on the scene. Uh, he, he finds a, a group of guys fishing. And uh, he goes and begins to speak, and he, he launches out into their boat, and he begins to preach from the, uh, to those that are on the shoreline. And he tells Peter, he says, I want you to cast your, 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 your net on the other side of the boat. And Peter says, you know what, we've, we've toiled all night and we haven't caught anything. But by your word. So what do, you, what do you say? By your word, I'll do it. Nevertheless, by your word. So he put it in. Then afterwards, they, they said they caught more fish than they knew they could handle. Right. And Jesus said, come now and follow me 
and I'll make you fishers of men. And so he came and demonstrated those things to their life. Now, I say all that to kind of set us up for, for verse 19 today. In verse 19, folks, really, we need to pay attention to this. This is some good stuff in verse 19. And I hope that you're able to, uh, to extract some things out of it. Maybe when you've read this verse before that you were not able to. And he, and he tells them, he says, by word and deed. Then he jumps right in. By the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit, so from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricium, uh, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Not only was his ministry, folks, demonstrated by words and deeds, or by what he preached and how he conducted himself, which was his character, but also through the demonstration of miracles, signs, and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, think about this. Really, these two verses, verses 18 and 19, they, they, they really convey the exact same message that Paul the Apostle gave in 1 Thessalonians 1.5. He said, our gospel came not in word only, right? But in power in the Holy Spirit with much assurance that you know, might know what manner of men that we are among you for your sakes. Now, all of you wonderful students of, of the Word today, I want to give you some four passages. And I'm going to read these passages. And I want you to, right where you're at in your own mind and heart, I want you to compare these things side by side and, and tell me what you see. I'm going to read these. First, I'm going to read those two verses in Romans 15, 18, and 19. I'm going to, let, me give you the, let me give you the references first. Romans 15, 18, and 19. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, which I also have already read. Mark 16.20. And Acts 2.42 and 43. All of these are, are scriptures that I've read to you the last few weeks. But I want to show you how we pull these things together in conjunction with what Paul's teaching us right here in Romans 8, uh, 15, 18, and 19. Okay, Romans 15, 18, and 19. He said, Well, I will, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ Jesus accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By what? The power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit. So that Jerusalem all the way around to uh, Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Okay? Now, First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance that you might know what manner of men that we were for your sake. Mark 16.20 And they went forth and preached everywhere, the, word, the Lord confirming with them, uh, uh, working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders following Amen. Acts 2.42 and 43, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking bread, and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Let me ask you a question. What pattern do you see developing right here? I, I'll, I'll tell you, that's, that's the pattern that, you know, I, I, have, I believe this is what I believe, Troy. I believe this, <laughs> this, I believe this is what I believe. The, 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 <laughs> the, the preaching of the word... Yep. will precede the signs and wonders. Signs and wonders will only follow the preaching. You even right. remember the, the beggar, when, when Peter and James were walking along, and he, and he asked them for something, they said, silver and gold I have, I have not. not. But what I have, what I have, what they have was Jesus Christ. Right. I have the power of Jesus Christ, and that's Jesus Christ that will raise you up. Raise up in the name of Jesus Christ. And they gave the truth, and the truth raised them up. Signs and wonders should only follow the preaching, preaching the of the Word of God. Without the preaching of the Word of God, you can have lying signs and wonders. You can have signs, I mean, New Age, all these other cults, yeah. uh, Scientology, witch, witch doctors. Christian science. Right. You have all Santeria. these. Right. Which have signs and wonders. And and you can ask people, check on the internet, you'll see you know, evidences, teachings. Sure. Uh, documents of people that have been healed and these things, but they're not following the preaching of the gospel. gospel. 
Okay, the gospel is what? what? What is the gospel? The gospel is the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the truth about that resurrection. Now, what should follow the gospel? Yes, absolutely. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Absolutely. But right. if, if we just give people miracles and signs and wonders, hey, they might think an angel healed them. Right. And not God. Or somebody, or some, some religious figure, exactly a guru, a guru, a, a, a spell. Right. I, I, I conjured up a spell. I said a certain uh, potion. I, you, but when we preach Christ and Him crucified, and and the truth of the gospel, then men know the truth, and then they know who healed them. I remember the the first time I really saw someone healed on the streets. We were in England. Brother Roy and I began to share Christ. We were out in a park preaching and uh, they, the police came. The park police mm-hmm. <laughs> came and shut us down. You can't do that here. You're drawing a crowd. There's no... no well, you can preach, but you can't draw a crowd. So what good does it hey, do you to, can preach, preach, to yeah. preach to anybody? Right. You can preach, but just don't preach to anybody, anybody else. Right. So, uh, but they asked us what we were... You know, what, what is this you're saying? And we began to share with them Jesus Christ and the truth sure. of Christ. And the guy said, well, how do you know... This Christ, I'm a Muslim, they were Muslims, and they said, how do you know this Christ is true? And Roy began to share with them, well, the, the evidence of Jesus Christ that I can prove is I've seen Christ, the living God, heal the sick, raise the dead, he's alive today, and he's able to heal right, you know, today. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, well, how do you know? He says, well, I see him. He says, well, could he heal me? He said, absolutely. And he says, well, would Jesus heal me now? He said, well, would you serve Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ were to heal you, would you give your life to him and would you believe he was the Lord and Savior of the universe. And he says, he goes, I would have to. Right. And Roy said, fair enough. I'm going to lay hands on you. And when I do, Jesus is going to heal you. But but in return, you've got to follow him and serve him. And the guy said, that'd be fair enough with me. Roy laid hands on him. Instantly, the guy <coughs> began to, his eyes got as big as, I'll never forget it, Troy. Yeah. Here was this 23-year-old, maybe Muslim kid on the streets of England in a park, his eyes got as big as saucers, and he goes, ah, and, and his back, he couldn't bend over. You, you, he showed us he couldn't bend over, yeah. and all of a sudden he bent over and touches. He goes, ah, ah, I'm healed. I'm healed. Jesus healed me. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. He began to confess Jesus Christ right. as Lord right there on the spot. His buddy took three steps back and went, Come on, man. You got, you know, yeah. you, you, you got, got, to, be got to be kidding me. He was like, Come on, man. And he goes, no, no, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It was a confirmation of the preaching of the gospel. And that's what signs and wonders are for. Nothing less, nothing more. You know, I think about that in regards, you talk about on the streets, and I've shared here about the testimony recently was in Philly with uh, Raven East Coast there uh, and also with uh, uh, Pastor Vega. And we're out there talking right where the the heroin uh, intersection is right there at Kensington and Somerset. And there's a guy that comes up that is, he's going to kill himself that day, but uh, he was a heroin addict. This felt like he was just totally had nothing to live for. And so praying for him, and began to give him, but before I prayed for him, I gave him the word. Amen. Began to share with him, here's what the Bible says. And, and I teach it's kind of like Acts 19, 1 and 2, where uh, uh, when, when Paul came, he said, have you received the, the Spirit of God since you believe? And they said, we haven't even heard of it. And, and so he, he told them about it, and they received. And so here I am talking to this heroin addict by the name of Robert, and got his phone. I mean, he's doing great still yet to this day. Why? Because he received the truth before he received the miracle. 
And so I'm sitting there talking to him, and man, the power of God gets poured out on him after he receives the truth. Mm. Within that, that same uh, context of time, uh, another man was coming across the street that had a hobbled leg. He couldn't utilize his right leg because of an injury that he sustained in falling off the subway. And so I told him, I said, do you know that God can heal you? And he's like, didn't know what to say because he didn't know. And so I took him to the Scripture, and I said, here's what the Word of God says. And so I gave him, I preached the word to him in, in my little 90-second, 120-second sermon on the word. But I gave him the word and I said, okay, the word says that. Do you believe that? Yeah. And I said, so I'm going to pray for you. Prayed for him and he was healed. So both of those situations saw a miracle. One of, 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 of deliverance and salvation following the preaching of the word. One saw a, a, the miracle of physical healing. But they were followed by the preaching of the gospel. Now look at those things. It says in those four verses, Romans 15, 18 and 19, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, Mark 16, 20, and Acts 2, uh, 42 and 43. It says, speak what Christ said, signs and miracles. Gospel came in word, power in the Holy Spirit. Went forth and preached, signs following. Steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, words and signs. And so our pattern is, look at that all through there. If Christ says it, what's going to happen? Signs and miracles. Gospel came in word, power in the Holy Spirit. Went forth and preached, signs followed. Steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, wonders and signs. So the power, here's the pattern, folks. You can write this down. Power should always be preceded by proclamation or preaching. Right. Okay? Power should be preceded by proclamation or preaching. You need to get that in your heart. Underline that and put you some notes right there on those four passages of Scripture, that pattern that he's established. And so Hebrews 2, 3 and 4 really iterates the same thing. Now, having said that, having given you those four Scriptures, I want you, when I, when I give you Hebrews 2, 3 and 4, now I want you to listen to exactly what it's saying. saying the exact same thing. He says in Hebrews 2, 3 through 4, How should we escape if we neglect so great of a salvation? Which at the first, say first, <laughs> Began to be spoken by the Lord. Okay? How should we neglect, we great, uh, 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 neglect so great of a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and then was confirmed unto us by those that heard Him. And so, hearing precedes confirmation. Okay? You will never have a confirmation unless you've heard the Word to begin with. And it says in verse 4, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. And so do you see that pattern once again? They preach the Word, the signs and the miracles follow. If the Word, folks, is not the starting point, then one has really got to look more closely at the sign that is being demonstrated because in the Scripture, the sign and wonder come to accompany the Word not as a substitution for the Word. Big, big difference right there. So many times what's happened is Signs, miracles, these things are, are, are brought forth as a substitute for the Word of God. Right. And they never can be made a substitute for the Word of God. And so people say, well, listen, are you going to a, uh, a healing service? Are you going to a miracle service? And you know, I hear people say, you know what? Man, we had, a, uh, we had a miracle service and some people got saved. Well, shouldn't it be that we had an evangelistic service and people got yeah. miracled yeah. <laughs> you know, or healed or something yeah. happened? They, they began to see that. But what do we do, folks? We try to put the, the proverbial cart before the horse. I've said this before, and I'll say it again right here. What you win them with is what you win them to. Okay? And so if I win people with the miracle, I've not won them to Christ, but I've won them to the manifestation. Right. I'll give you an example of that. Here Jesus is preaching to the 5,000 one day. All of a sudden, the disciples say, hey, we've got to send them away. It's getting late, and these folks had not eaten. And so what does Jesus do? He said, no, you feed them. Well, we don't have anything to eat. Well, look at this little boy's got a, got a little bag of his, his lunch. 
Well, come on, Jesus, there's too much. And so what does Jesus do? He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it away. Right. They, they fed 5,000 at the end. There was 12 baskets full to, to, that they could gather up as well. And so that, that was a miracle. And it says after he, he finished speaking, he looked around, and who was with him? Only the 12. Only the 12. And he said, are you going to leave too? And they said, who would we go? You have the words of life. And so he went on to say, he said, listen, they didn't come for the message. They came for the miracle. Cool. And so you've got to ask yourself the question, what are people in any situation, what are you coming for? Are you coming for the miracle or are you coming for the message? Because I know one day, and I could look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 13 and in four, going into 14, he talks about, you know what, whether there be tongues, they'll cease, Jeez. knowledge, it shall pass away. But we know that there's those things that remain that are built upon the Word. Faith, hope, and love. Those things have at their foundation the Word of God. And so everything else in this, in this world, in this lifetime, is going to pass away. But there's something that's going to remain steadfast and, comp, uh, and constant, and that is the Word of God. Amen. Now, do we believe in miracles? Yes. Do we believe in casting out devils? Yes. Do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, signs and wonders, uh, 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 words of knowledge, uh, Prophecy, do we believe in, in faith? Absolutely, we believe those things. But we know that the foundation of all those things has got to be the preaching of the Word of God. You know, if, if someone gets healed, have a miracle in their life, and, and uh, they get a word, you know, God's going to anoint you with this great healing ministry or this or that, whatever it might be, but they never know Jesus Christ. Right. If they never come to the real saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if they haven't built on the foundation, you know, it, it, then then all their work is all their labor will be in vain. They can go out and they can do miracles. They can do these things because it says there'll be those that say, "Well, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Right. Didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I do many signs and wonders in your name? But depart from me. You never knew me." And, and what happens is they, they, they came and got the miracle. They even got a, a, a word to go right. and do these same things. But they never knew the Lord. They never, Jesus said, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. They never went to the foundation, the cross. It's a gospel that's taken the cross out of. Right. And what's happened is, without the cross, without the death of self, and the res- you know, Christ restoring us in a new birth, there is no salvation. So that really they're just walking. Right. They're, 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 they were never born again. And they go out and they do all these th- the works. And they may be great works. I mean, Mother Teresa did a lot of great works. But had no word. But was she born again? I, I you know. Not from her I, own I, testimony. From her testimony, you'd have to say no. Now, there and there's what I say. You, you, you were not... You know, it's going to come down to, do you know Christ? Right. And does He know you? Exactly. And it's going to be determined it's, through the it, Word. Exactly. And how do you know Christ? How, how do we get to know Christ? By being born again. Coming to the cross, surrendering, realizing we're a sinner, and repenting. Repenting means turning away from and clinging to Christ. But for forgiveness, understanding that. If you don't... Man, if it's not built on that basic principle is that he's the Messiah and he's God, and right. if you think it's built if you think because of your works afterwards, I mean in Hebrews six, that's what it talks about, right? You, right? If you think now that you were saved in Christ and by doing works, by adding the law as as your Savior, there no longer remains a Savior for you because right. Christ is the Savior. Yep. That's our basic foundation. You know, if we don't build on that foundation, man, we've built you know, we build a house 
on sand. Absolutely, yeah. man. Because it's once again, upon that rock, rock that he's going to build his church. And that which it all comes back to. I mean, and you look at the word. It's really spread throughout the whole 66 books. Mm-hmm. It all points to Christ. It all points to salvation through him. And mm-hmm. that's what the whole book's about. Because he man is the word. Right. Man has fallen. And, and, and the only hope for man is, is, is through Christ. Because I remember when I first started pastoring a church back in my early 20s. And you know, I look at it now and I scratch my head and I'm thinking, you know, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And, and I remember, you know, here I am in a, in a, in a ghetto church, you know. Uh, and here, Melly and I are in our early 20s. Our children were just babies literally at the time. And, you know, people would come in off the streets because we were in that type of environment. So we would have drug addicts and alcoholics. And, and that never did change because that's where we were associated with in the church. That's where we're situated, I should say. But they would come in and... Uh, Man, because of the the, the way I was, I, I saw people doing things. Uh, man, th- those demoniacs would come in, and man, I'd get them all stirred up. <laughs> and I would, man. I mean, these guys would be writhing and on the floor and doing all kind of stuff. And man, people would be ooing and on the whole nine yards. Uh, some of them got set free, some of them didn't. But you know, there, there was never a shortage of a big show because man, you could stir that stuff up. Yeah. And, and I, I remember as God began to deal with me, is you know, why are you doing that? Why are you? Why are you? Why are you? Uh, Putting that stuff forward, yeah, people uh, are can get delivered. People need, but really, what's the benefit of it? Mm. But I was just, I was a novice. I didn't know. I yeah. thought, man, people were coming, and you know, people were excited, and that's when it was. And what's interesting, you know, we could spend all service long dealing with some demoniac, and afterwards, it didn't really matter to the people whether he got set free or not. Right. They would say, "Man, God really moved this in such a way today that you didn't even get to preach," yeah. and you know. When you hear that, you think to yourself, really, where's the emphasis that are people putting it? Now, and it was the show, and it became just that demonstration of stuff, and you didn't even get to preach. And so many times, and I hear it too, especially within our, our quote-unquote charismatic, Pentecostal, Spirit-filled culture. You know, people think when the Spirit moves that He's going to eliminate the message. No, folks, the, the Spirit moves in conjunction with and build upon the foundation of the message. Man, man, the Spirit's been moving the last few weeks. Now, I heard this, and I got, I got an email from, from somebody. I don't know who it was. Recently, they said, man, the Spirit's been moving in our church the last few weeks that pastor doesn't even get to preach. Yeah. That, 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 man, just things are happening. And, you know, and that's, that's good that, that maybe that happens sometime. But, folks, the foundation of everything has yeah. got to be the Word of Truth. Otherwise, you can find yourself getting caught up yeah. in things that, that may or may not be the Spirit of God. Well, I like what, you know, I, I read about like Finney and them when they would, the Spirit would move like that and sometimes they, they wouldn't actually get to share. People would be convicted and, and, you know, emotions would get high and it would shut down. Then he would have what was called inquiry. Right. Where people would come and inquire about, and, and he would explain the way of salvation to them. He would help them to work through their salvation until they knew, until they knew their feet were firmly, firmly planted on the rock. Now, was there times, absolutely, that God would move sovereignly and, and just take over and, and right. man, nobody would speak. I mean, I've heard stories of Evan Roberts where he didn't say a word. But I guarantee you, and if you, you study that, you'll see where Evan Roberts would go and he would explain the way of salvation to these people. Yep. He would explain where they needed to plant their feet and what it was. And it, was great, it brought great conviction and great repentance. And... and that is what it's all about, brothers and sisters. And, and it's through the yep. Word. You, you, we have to explain the Word. And then once they're saved, they've got to be discipled. Man, yep. then that's just the beginning. I mean, 
from there it goes, we, we begin to grow. We begin to learn to eat. You know, you start off on the milk, like you, you said, yep. you're spoon-fed, and you, you continue to grow. You begin to, you know, and you become a teacher. You become one that goes right. out and teaches others and disciples others. That's, that's the goal of the body of Christ. That's it. To be reproductive, you know. And you see in the lives of the old expositors, whether it was Finney or whether it was the, the Wesleyans, uh, uh, whoever it may have been, there, there was there was a preaching word. Then there was that time they they often called it times of contemplation. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the word, and they would send people away literally to allow them to contemplate what, what they, they, heard. they what they heard. Because why? That was the, that was the pattern of the word of God. Now, before a man builds a house, you need to first go and consider what it costs. What it costs to finish the job. And that's what I think is happening so many times. People are offered the house. They're offered the miracle. They're offered the great things. But they're never told to sit down and count up the cost. It's kind of like, remember we took a ride the other day and seen those nice houses over on the water on the Tomoka River? Now, they were nice. Man, And I'd like to have one of those houses or build a house like that. But, you know, before you try to build a house like that on the Tomoka River... You better count the cost because it's yeah. going to cost you some money. Well, here's the deal, brother. You're, you're by trade a general contractor. Right. Now, you have the, the skills, you have the knowledge to build that house. Right. But do you have the resources to build that house? It's a good question. You, you see, have to, before you embark into it, and matter of fact, I'm in a situation like that right now. Right. And the funds aren't there. The, the housing market has, has collapsed. Um, the price of property dropped. And in order to build a house that we have some property on, it... it we would actually lose money. Right. It would cost us money to build the property. We would have to sell it for less than what we could. Be, and it, it, it wouldn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. We had, we've had to, we've literally before we built that house. Yep. I've had to sit down and count the cost, and now there's no value. There's in no it. value in it. I, so I can't build it. I'd love to build the house. I have a set of pl- beautiful house. I'd love to build it. I mean, you know, now if somebody has the money and wants that house built. Sure, but it, it, it's it's it'll be years probably, unless you know. Of course, times could change, but before the value in that market, because what happened? That market sailed up so high, and then it came crashing no back down. Which is what happens in the church. They, they get this. What happens is people are hyped up with quote unquote the miracle signs and wonders, right. and it's elevated. They see that beautiful house. They see all those promises. They see all these things. This, this you're going to. I'm imparting this to you. You're going to go to the nations. Then what happens? The the bottom falls out because there's nothing to hold that up. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to keep that. As long as they're within that the confines of that environment, they're they're within an inflated spiritual economy. It's okay. So, but when the speculators are gone, what happens? The bottom falls out, folks. Listen, that's exactly what happens with what, many people. What does it What does it cost? Everything. To follow Christ? <laughs> Everything. Your life, everything. Yeah. He, he gave what for you? Everything. His life. And nothing less in return will do then. That's it. You know, I always, people ask me about the tithe, and I say, you didn't, in the New Testament, you don't owe Jesus 10%. You owe him 100%. You owe him 100%. Now, I'm not saying you've got to go throw it in some plate, right. but everything you have belongs to Jesus. You want New right. Testament giving? There it is. 100% belongs to him. Now, you're his steward, and he, you, you need to hear what right. he says do with it, but... Nothing, read Acts, it's there, and in the first few chapters, talks about the early church. Nothing they had called their own. They said, right. you know, they counted all things along. And that's what it cost. And yep. if you've held back anything, you're in danger. Right. You're really in danger because God's not going to, listen, nobody's going to marry a woman that, that only gives them 
90% and 10% of the time they go out and sleep with another man. Right. Nobody's going to do that. But yet we expect God to do that. Yeah. We want God to marry us. We want to be the bride of Christ. And yet we want to go out and, and, and harlot ourselves with the world. Yeah. Folks, really, the whole point in that 18th and 19th verses is just like, just like I kind of gave you the analogy of, of uh, Pastor Scott here being a contractor. and he, could, he has the skills to build a house, but not the resources. What happens is, in, in, in the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, in a relationship, now we have access to the gifts of the Spirit. But what ends up happening, and you see that in the book of First Corinthians, when Paul had to bring correction, he, he, he started out by saying, listen, in relationship to the gifts, the manifestation of things, you don't come behind with no one. You're right there. But what the problem is, is they didn't have the foundational principles to be able to manage what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So, folks, before you build the house, before you do those things, what you need to do is solidify your heart and your mind with the Word of God. And so what happens when we begin to see that stuff, when, there's, when, when the, 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 the starting point or the foundation is not the Word, what, what happens is people will, will say and believe things like this. That, that what he's now saying has to come from God because of the great things that he previously did. That's what people say. They'll look at a ministry and say, well, it's got to be from God because look at the things that they did. And, and, uh, or, or, or rather than, you know what, uh, that I have fit my, what it's based upon is what I'm seeing rather than what God has said. Now think about Matthew 9, 27-30 real quick. Look at this in, in, in conjunction with what we're talking about. It says when Jesus, and you're going to see this pattern also demonstrated in the life of Christ. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying out saying, Son of David, have mercy upon us. And when he had come to the house, the blind men came to him, and, and Jesus, Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Okay. So what did he go out to begin with? Their belief system. He struck them, and they said to him, Yes, we believe. Then he touched their eyes. Now, Jesus had the power. To him was, was not given the Spirit with any type of measure. And so he had the power. He didn't have to ask him that question. Right. He could have just done it. But what right. did he say? He built it upon the foundation of believing. He said, uh, do you believe that I'm able to do it? They said, yes. And he touched their eyes. And here's what he said. He said, according to your faith, let it be unto you. And their eyes were open. You know, I noticed something else in there, Troy. It says here, the son of David. They right. actually knew who he was. Right. And when they said, do you, yes, Lord. They yeah. knew who he was. Right. They didn't just know, you know, hey, you can do a miracle. No, they knew he was the Lord. They knew he was the Christ. Yeah. And when they and I see that through the gospel. When somebody knows and, and understands their and they're convicted already and they understand who Jesus is, then he gives them the grace. Yeah. He gives them the help. But anytime you see someone who doesn't know who he is, who the Pharisees, for example, denied who he was, he struck them with the law. Right. He struck them at the heart. You know, and he called them what they were. Exactly. You know, and, and we don't see him giving them that. Right. Good point there. I, I, I just just happened to. Yeah, that really, because that's the basis. They they had a belief system built upon their knowledge. Right. And folks, it comes back to once again, we can't underscore it enough. What you're one to, with is what you're one to. And so, if people are quote unquote one to Jesus strictly through his miracles, what happens if the miracles stop? Mm. Then is there is there a discontentment? Or what if somebody's won through the prosperity message? What if they cease to be prosperous at a particular time? Do, do, do they get disconcerted in their, their relationship with God? But folks, if you're, if you're one through the preaching of the gospel, a gospel that says if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, then it doesn't matter what comes. Brother, for me, when, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ came into my life and He saved me and He called me, my choices at that point were made for me. And so I, 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 at that point, I stopped sitting around thinking, you know, what do I want to do? Or what do I think? Or what is it? Mm-hmm. I had to come in line 
in my life with what the Scripture says. And so if it, if it couldn't be measured, if it could, wasn't, there wasn't a consistency or continuity in it, it was. And so the things that, that I endeavored to do 15 years ago, you know what? What my life is is a continuation of those things. It didn't, okay, I'm going to do this for a while and, and now I'm going to do something else or I'm going to serve you God for a minute and I'll be back because now I've got some other plans. I, I want to start a business or I want to do this or I'm going to run off and get married or, or whatever. Everything has to come in agreement with the, the plan that God has. Now, does God care if you have a business? No. Does God care if you get married? No. Does God care if you raise family? No. Does God care? What, no, not at all. But those things have got to come into that word that he's spoken in the directive on your life. And so that foundation is being built upon those things. Then you're not all over the charts. Then if you're one through repentance, if you're one through walking in righteousness, if you're one by becoming that doulos, that, that servant and that, that slave to righteousness, then everything is going to be built upon those principles. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't really matter what happens. Right. Because you're not focused on the temporal, you're focused on the eternal. I, I could think of some you know really good examples of people like... <clears throat> Uh, Joni Erickson Cantata. Yeah. There's a lady that in a wheelchair for 20 something years. Probably 30. 30 by years now. by now. And she has served God. I mean, she's, she's definitely one of my heroes of the yeah. faith. And no, she's not been healed. And, but God said His grace is sufficient for right. her. She still serves Him. Yeah. She serves God knowing that Man, I'm going to get a new body in heaven, and it really doesn't matter how I have to suffer here yeah. on this earth. And whether Jesus heals me or doesn't, I'm going to serve me. Because you know what? He already did enough for me. He died for my sins. Yeah. He cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And man, if, if God never did another thing for you, He sent His Son to die. How much, yeah. how much more could we ask for, from God, who in all righteousness... He's God. He didn't have to. Be. If God, you know, if God wanted to snub every human out, he's and, and destroy the world and destroy the whole thing, he's God. And he's righteous. Where, I mean, like Job said, where where were you? Like God said to Job, where were you when God created the heavens and the earth? That's right. Who are you to to question God about these things? You know, God is God is God. He has the right to say whatever he wants and right. do what he wants because he's God. We're not God, but in His, in, it just shows how graceful and how merciful is when He does heal and He does do yeah. more than that. He does bless us. He does do those kind of things. But it's not based on those things, man. It's based on our salvation. Everything's right. got to come out of that. And you know what you're saying there is is that we've got to base everything out of that, out of our belief on Jesus Christ. On the foundation of the Word. On the foundation of the Word. Here's here's another example of that. And Jesus, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Mark 5, 25 through 34. Listen to what he said. It says, And a certain woman had an issue of blood 12 years. You're familiar with the story. And it says, She had suffered many things of many physicians, Mm -hmm. and had spent all that she had, and nothing got better, but she grew worse. But verse 27, But when she heard of Jesus, Mm -hmm. she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said... If I may touch but his clothes, I will be made whole. Why did she know that? Because she had heard already. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she had been healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about him to the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, seeing the multitude thronging about him, he said, What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. And he looked around to see her, 
uh, that this thing, uh, this thing that had been done. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Mm-hmm. And he said in, uh, unto her, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be made whole of this issue, of this plague. Now, she got healed. She reached down and touched him. Based upon what? Verse 27. She had heard of this Jesus. She had heard of his healing. She had received the truth and the miracle followed. She had exhausted all of her other efforts, all of her, her, her other mechanism, but something came and, and brought that. It was a knowledge of that truth. It was built upon that, and she got made whole. And what did he say? Your faith made you whole. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The good news is they got it uncut. You know, and unfettered. They got it straight from the source. You, you know that when she heard of Jesus, it says, came into the impressed by and touched the hem of his garment. She said she had heard of Jesus. She had obviously been listening to the word because that was a messianic prophecy that there would be healing in the hem of his garment. Right. And, and the tips of, they actually wore this sh- thing around and the, 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 right, the prayer. Right. right. And, and in the tips of it, in the tips of the Messiah, there would be healing. So she had obviously heard the word because that's what she said. She said, if I just touch the hem, right. and there'd be healing in the Messiah and yep. in, in the hems of his garment. Amen. So she had heard. She wasn't, you know, somebody had not heard the word. She had heard the word and she received her healing. And as a result, power. <laughs> power. Now, now here's another one. Matthew 5, 35 and 36. Right there after that. And it says, while he yet spoke, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's uh, uh, house, uh, which said, thy, thy daughter is dead. Why do you trouble the master any further? Mm-hmm. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. believe. Only believe what? The word that was spoken. And so they heard Jesus speaking. So we know the rest of the story that Jesus went and healed. Folks, here's what's happening. This is something years and years ago the Lord began to speak to me. And it's out of the book of Judges chapter 17. And what's interesting about that is Judges 17 and in verse 6. Judges 17, 6. It says this. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did what was right in his own eyes. Mm. Folks, that's the major problem is that there's no king, there's no foundation, there's no standard, mm. there's no rulership. And so you've got to ask yourself, what, is, what serves as the ruler over your life? If it's not this, what ends up happening is you begin to do things according to your own eyes, what you want to see. And it becomes, uh, the word becomes something of private interpretation, private uh, uh, application, rather than the, the foundation of the word of God speaking unto us. But it, it, it prefaced all that, and it says that there was a man in the mountain of Ephraim whose name was Micah. The word Micah means that he who is like Yahweh. In our case, it would be like there's a man by the name of Christian, right. or somebody who is like Christ, Christ. somebody who's like Yahweh, somebody who's like God, somebody who's like Christ. And now I want you to read what it says. And it says, and he said unto his, uh, and he he said unto his mother, the eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you, because she had these eleven hundred shekels in her purse, and it prefaced this by saying that he had stolen this. It says the eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you, which you cursed, and and you spoke into my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I have it. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my son. And when uh, he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. And so here's the setup. A guy that says he's like God. He's like Yahweh. Many times. Like Christians. Uh, we're like Christ. Here he is, and he comes to his mother. He finds out she put a curse on this money that he stole from her, this 1,100 shekels of silver. And so he goes to her, and he says, Mom, I'm, I'm really kind of in a panic because I heard you curse that, and I take that stuff serious. And his mother said, You have blessed you, son. He, she said, That was meant for you to begin with. 
It was, it was for you because I was going to make you something for it. I was going to create a blessing. And, and, and think about what she said. I'm going to make you this, these things that are going to be something in, in, in regards to worship. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, she, she said, I dedicate it. Yet he restored the money to his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made therefore a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. Now, think about Do your math, brother. He stole 1,100 shekels of silver. His mother said they were meant for you to be a benefit to you in your religious practices. And it says he restored those to her. And she took how much? 200. And so how much is now missing? 900 900 shekels of silver is now missing. And so here's what the Lord showed me on that. And it's really what we're talking about today. Is that God has given us. He's given us the the full purse, literally, of of the gifts of the Spirit. When he talks about it in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, that he's given these gifts to to be of a profit to the body of Christ, to the uplifting, to the building up, the edification of the body of Christ. He's given us those full things. But what we've done is we've come and tried to rob those things to our own benefit. And he's come and said, do you not know that those were meant for you? But here's the thing. Did you notice that Micah never complains? Read, read the rest of that 17th chapter going into the 18th. He never said, well, Mom, what about the other uh, uh, 900 shekels of silver? What about the other 900 shekels of blessing? Because he was willing to take a small portion as long as he could get it on his terms. You hear what I'm saying? Folks, listen. As long as you're willing to settle for a 200 shekel miracle... That's all you're ever going to get. Mm. Unless we're willing to pay the price and humble ourselves and allow the Word of God to become our foundation, we will never know what it would be like to have the full measure of that 1,100 shekels of the outpouring of God's Spirit. And so what I've seen being brought up, quote-unquote, in a, in a Pentecostal, being brought up around the Spirit-filled home and all these type of things, I've seen a lot of 200 shekel miracles. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of that. I've seen the people falling out. I've seen the people with the back aches get healed. I've seen the, 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 the people that, you know, uh, well, maybe they got healed, uh, but, you know, they felt a burning. I've seen all that. Mm-hmm. But you know what I've, I've, I've failed to see is for, 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 for them to line up dozens upon dozens of wheelchairs with the people that with, with the cerebral palsy or people that were total paralytics and to see instantaneously them all jumping out of their seats. Right. That's 1,100 shekels. Or, or, or seeing the full manifestation. You hear all these things, well, well, somebody was, well, well, well somebody's getting raised from the dead. Then you begin to, to call around and try to confirm it. Well, they weren't really dead. They, were, they wanted to die. Well, did they get raised from the dead? Well, spiritually, they, you know, it, it becomes this thing where if, if I can just get it on my terms, then I'm willing to settle for it. Folks, listen, I don't want anything to settle for anything on my terms. If, if I'm not seeing it this way, I've got to continue to press. If I'm not seeing it this way, I've got to continue to pray. If, I, if I'm not seeing it this way, I've got to continue to preach. And if I'm not seeing it this way, I've got to continue to pursue after Him. Because I'm not going to be satisfied and say something that is, is so glorious and so powerful if it's not measuring up to the fullness of what He has for us. What has He called us? To see us, to come to that place of the fullness and the stature of Christ Jesus. And the only way it's going to be built is to be built upon this Word that He has given us to, to, to speak and to be building upon the foundation of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. But too much of it, what we're seeing in this day and age, brother, is, 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 short, is a short-changed miracle. Mm-hmm. No wonder people don't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Because they look at it and they say, well, wow, that, it becomes flaky, it becomes strange, it becomes strange fire, it becomes peculiar, not in the sense of peculiar in righteousness, but just peculiar in weirdness. Folks, we've got to come back to that place where we're building upon the foundations of Christ Jesus then, I believe, what are we going to see? Then, then we're going to see, what does it say? Speak 
uh, what Christ said, signs and miracles. The gospel came in word, power, and the Holy Spirit went forth and preached, signs falling steadfast, the apostles' doctrine, wonders and signs. Folks, listen. These signs will follow them that believe. Believe, believe what? Believe the Word of God. But how will they know unless we preach? How can they hear without a preacher? The Word has got to be the foundation of all those things. Then he says in verse 20 of Romans 15, he said, yes. He said, so I've strived to do what? To preach the Gospel. Folks, listen. Our striving, our efforts, our passion has got to be in preaching the Gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. So what Paul was saying, listen. And I'm not going in and trying to to, to recruit me a bunch of Christian groupies. That's basically what he said. Now, what you see many times, brother, is, is the, the people that quote-unquote flock to the miracle services, that flock to the, the faith services, that flock to all these things, have already been built upon another man's foundation. They've been conditioned. They've been conditioned to know when to fall out. They've been conditioned right. to know when to get in the river. They've been conditioned to know when to laugh. They've been conditioned. It's a foundation. And all you've got to do is just push the right buttons. Right. But, but what about those same things working to, with someone that hasn't? You notice the lost aren't impressed by those things. Right. It's the people that have been built upon the foundation of something other than the Word of God that flock to that type of thing. I mean, if if you're really going to fall down, you won't need a catcher. No, you You won't. That's an evidence right there to me that the whole thing, it's it's a fake. I mean, if somebody's got to catch you, and if they look back to make sure someone's catching you, I mean, it's it's only obvious then, you know, or they move around on the ground to make sure that, you know, make a little room for the guy next to them. Uh, You know, it's a sad day that things like that are happening, but, but it is, and, you know, Brother Roy and I were talking about, man, you know, we've just got to go after the real brothers and sisters. We, we've got to dig into the Word. And if right. we'll dig into the Word and we'll pray and, and fast and, and, and pray and fast and pray and dig in the Word, we will see the real. You know, and, and, right. and we have. We have seen it, but yeah. we'll see more of it. We'll see God. The, 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 the more we press into God, you know, Charles Finney said, Revival is nothing... It's no harder than sowing a field of wheat. If you do this, this, and this, you're, you'll you get reap a harvest. You'll get that. Yep. The problem is, we don't want to do. We don't want to go out and labor and and toil the ground before we plant the seed. We may want to plant the seed, or we may want to water the seed, but we don't want to labor the ground and prepare the ground to receive the seed. And the preparation really comes through through prayer. And, and, and getting that spirit and of prayer. I, I, I remember one story of Finney when he came into a sa- town and saw that the town was given over to idolatry and he fell, literally fell in the bushes for eight hours and, and wept and, and mourned over the sins of that town. And, and he travailed in prayer. He birthed in prayer. You know, Paul talked about that, right. who I labor in prayer over. He, he labored in prayer over that town. And when something happened, when he came out of them bushes, man, he walked into a factory, said he looked at a lady, and conviction began to sweep through that factory, and, and, and work ceased. And right. when, he, when he handed them Christ Jesus, they readily received. Because their hearts, that hard heart, had been plowed in prayer. The, 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 it had been broken the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God right. under the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. We're in a spiritual warfare, and it's done on our knees. And if we'll spend more time on our knees and more time living in the Word of God, listen, if, I mean, if you're not doing what it says in the book, and we're not praying like it says to pray in the book without ceasing, right. and praying until... How long should you pray? Until. 
until you now, pray. Now, it's not, it doesn't mean vain repetitions. It doesn't mean I get up there and say, God save him, God save him, God save him, God save him, God save him. That's, that's not what it's saying. Right. We've got to see what does it say in the Word. And, and seek Him. And seek Him. And if we'll seek Him and do what it says in the Word, we'll have what it says. You know, brother, I think about different seasons. I've been in the ministry a long time, preached, mm-hmm. pastored, and built churches, etc., you know, I can think of different times that, you know, I could say, I, I think about times that are so fond of me about when I lived in, in New Orleans for those three years. And we would be out on, quote unquote, Bourbon Street preaching the word and we'd see, you know, dozens and dozens of people that were coming to the Lord and you couldn't even get off the streets. That, that was great. But, you know, and so, but now I know God is doing something and really in my heart, just the preparation for something greater. Those were, those were good times. Those were awesome. Those were times that anybody would love to live and even to experience or re-experience those things. But, I, I, you know, for myself, especially in the last year, that it's been a knuckling down in getting into the Word like never before. And so, whereas uh, in the past, you know, there was a lot of time out. I, I know in this past year for myself, just the things He's had us do, this due diligence to the Word of God. Okay, you've done those things. Now it's time to come. And this thing. And so, here we are. We're, we're teaching five days a week and, and putting that Word in. So, you get to come and be a, benefit, a benefactor of those things. But, you know, this is the time that goes into preparing for that. Uh, you know, meeting for times of prayer. We're, we're doing a discipleship with our ladies. Melanie and, and Sister Holly are teaching discipleship with ladies on, on Saturdays. Another time, due diligence in the Word. We're, we're gathering together on Sunday mornings, getting that Word, that time of worship, that time of fellowship with one another. All those things are necessary components to when we actually, but God begins to unleash those things, there's the preparation. Right. And so I know for me, in, in really over the last year or so, specifically, it's been that, that pushing in. Okay, you really need to get geared up. You really need to get solidified. You really need to do the due diligence in the right. Word of God because there's going to become the time doing it right. where you're going to have to unload all those type of things. And so, folks, I really want to encourage you. And like we're saying, man, get into that Word. Allow that Word right. to, get, to get into you because there's going to be a time where you're going to have to extract all these things. Is it laborsome? Yes, it is this is it's a it's a lot of work it's a lot of effort you think man i would i'm spending all this time doing this and i need to go and apply there's going to be plenty of time for the application of these things and uh, even as you go but folks i'm telling you even as we begin to pray and fast the the first year the lord spoke to us and said listen i'm calling you to a place of righteousness where does it come therein is the righteousness of god revealed from faith to faith. Mm. And if you're going to walk in righteousness, that righteousness, if it's going to be a maintained mm. righteousness, it's going to come from this the solidification mm. of this Word. We've got to come to that point, I believe, in what God is doing is, is allowing us to hide the Word in our hearts. Mm. That way when we get out and we begin to do the things He's called us to do, man, alarms are going to go off. Mm. That when, when the enemy comes in like that flood, that the standard that's raised up is going to be the standard of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So folks, listen, I, I want to encourage you guys as you study the Word, allow the season of really this dependence upon that word, investment in the word of God into your heart and life. Take it and allow God to sow that field of wheat Amen. to you because there's going to be a time that you're really going to need it. You're going to you have know, to knuckle down. You know, my wife worked at a bank when we first got married and she told me that when they they took her in the bank when she first started and to teach her how to know what counterfeit money was, they didn't give her a bunch of fake money. Right. They put her in a vault and said, count money. Yeah. Real money. Learn what real money feels like. And the more you feel the real, buddy, when the fake comes along, you'll pick it right up. The more you have the real in you, man, when the fake comes along, if you'll just spend time studying the real, you don't even have to study the fake. You don't have to go read about all the cults and stuff because you'll know know the real. And you go, wait a minute, the real says this. Anything different from that is a fake. 
You know, I mean, yeah, there's tons of stuff you could study and learn about Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, uh, every other cult out there in the world. But, but if you know the real, yep, you won't, buddy. Right. When the fake comes along, wait, that don't feel right. Yep. That don't sound right. That's no, it. that's not what this says. This is what this says. Yep, folks. Amen. We're totally out of time today. I hope everybody is hearing what, and seeing what we're, we're saying this morning. Because we believe God is calling. There's going to be a manifestation. Amen. Really, what, what the Lord told me at the first year, once again, I shared this at the first year. Called the holiness, and he's calling, but he's, and out of that holiness is going to come power. Amen. But it's going to be built upon faith. Amen. And that there's going to become a, a, things that are going to want to siphon off the attention from those things. Folks, listen. It starts and stops right here. Amen. He's going to do it, but he preached. In confirming that with the signs and wonders. Amen. Signs and wonders don't confirm the word. The word literally stands as the foundation Amen. for those type of things. Folks, listen, we love you so much. And once again, we won't be here tomorrow, Friday, or on Monday. Please pray for us. We love you. I'm just asking for uh, you to stand with us in that. Uh, but God bless you. And got one bit of advice for you today. Get into God's word. And God's word will get into you.